Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second episode of the Y Sports Podcast. Of course, I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm Dion Yarber Sr., better known as Mufasa, the big dog, nice, the rim wrecker, part of the rim wrecking crew, all of the above. I'm joined tonight again by my co-host, my son. Introduce yourself. Yes, it's Dion Jr., uh, better known as Simba, uh, Lil D., um, Dion, you know, I don't got too many nicknames, but people know me. Yeah. All right, that's that's what it's about. Um, again, we're coming to you uh, to introduce ourselves as 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 bringing to some of the to light some of the knowledge that we have concerning collegiate and professional sports. And tonight we're going to be hitting on a, a age old debate, a hot topic that's coming to the forefront again. Uh, the greatest of all time in the NBA. Uh, it's a hot mm-hmm. topic right now, uh, one that's probably always going to be debated. Right. We're going to have a lot of uh, opinions about it. We're going to weigh in on how we feel about it and what our opinions are. Right. Uh, Look, concerning- before we uh, get to that, I wanted to do a, give a special shout-out to um, you guys like the beat at the beginning of the show. That was made by King Kevin Beats, one of my good friends. I met him at uh, LA Fitness in South Lake. Um, he went to Georgia State with us. And, uh, yeah. Pretty good friend of mine. He, he was gracious enough to make me a nice beat. We got some more audio coming on the way. Just want to give him a quick shout out. And that dude's talented. Y'all look at his page. He got some good beats on his page. We looking for some. So just want to give him a quick shout out. But back to this um this goat debate. What you think about it so far? Well, as we always talk about, it's a highly opinionated, debatable topic. That's probably gonna go on. Uh, long past after we're gone or when we give up uh, talking about these topics. But diving right into it, you know, this debate, um, as we get into it, man, it's going to be some some uh, some things that people are probably not going to agree with. Uh-huh. But always, like I said, it's, it's, it's our opinion. It's my opinion. Um, we even can go back, you know, starting back in the days even before me, before us, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about guys like Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, the Big O, uh, even before your time, guys like Kareem, Bob Pettit, yeah, Larry Bird, you know, Magic. You came, you know, you wasn't born when they was playing, but you know, you probably seen some highlights, some some uh, clips of what they could do. Um, so that's one thing, you know, someone my age can be able to look at talking about, you know, some of the guys I seen. But now with YouTube and with all the social outlets, the social media outlets, you pretty much can can uh, look at whoever you want. And, yeah, and that's make one your... of the things. Look, I always preach that people think just because you're a young guy, you enjoy sports, that you really don't know nothing about the times that came before them. I like to disagree. You know, there's some gener- generational bias in, in every generation. But, mm-hmm. you know, to consider yourself a, a sports historian or a sports enthusiast, it will behoove you to go back and, like you said, look at some of those highlights from players from the 50s and 60s and 70s, those eras before you, because how can you appreciate the game for what it is today if you didn't uh, study the guys that came before it, the guys that laid the brickwork, the guys that, like you said, were pioneers in making the game more globalized and making it what it is today. That's correct. You know, my my generation would kind of get a bad rap for that, rightfully so. Um, because a lot of us, I mean, I can't fault us. We're we're stuck in a in, in a, a age where we only know LeBron, we only know Kevin Durant, and the more recent guys. But you know, those guys that are more credible, 
you know, we look at generations before us like Jordan and before him, Wilt, and before him, you know, you look at people like George Mikan, who rarely gets mentioned. But um, to be specific, we're going to, like I said, tackle this GOAT debate. Uh, we got a few guys we want to talk about. Well, even far as some of the things you just said, even with Michael Jordan, will we still know him if his shoes weren't still out there today, if he still wasn't in commercials uh, or globalized the way he is, even with Kobe. We, I mean, Kobe's still closest to your generation, but mm-hmm. with the recent events that just took place, um, uh, sorry to hear about his past and things like that, but would he still be, would he be in that conversation? Will we have him in the forefront of being one of the greatest players of all time at this moment? had, you know, some of these unfortunate events took place. Right. Uh, so, like I said, without people really knowing about, uh, like, Wilt, like Oscar, you know, you got to go back and look at these guys. Oscar the first guy to ever average a triple-double for mm-hmm. a whole season. You know, Wilt averaged 50 points for a whole season. Right. You know, people like Bill Russell, they won 11 championships in 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but some of those you might say are team accolades or team achievements, but somebody had to play the games. Exactly. Um, and like people would talk about, even Bill Russell, I've heard some of the conversations he and Will Chamberlain have had. Um, you know, he would say, of course, Will was destroying Bill Russell. He was. From an individual <laughs> standpoint, but his team won. So would you say in that event that Bill Russell's better than Wilt because his team won, but Wilt destroyed him individually as far as statistics are concerned? Are we talking about, again, are we talking about team achievements or are we talking about individual players? Right. So some things you mentioned there was pretty interesting. Like I said, um, whenever we have this debate amongst ourselves in the gym or wherever it's appropriate, um, there's going to be some some bias. There's going to be some some outlandish opinions and takes that guys have. But no, I would say no one person is incorrect in their take. I like to listen to dialogue and give people the opportunity to explain how they view the game because it's not just how I see it. It's not how you see it, which has ultimately made this game a, a global sport. See what I'm saying? Correct. So that's the appreciation I have for other people's right, opinions. Right, right. And for the the purpose of the of this podcast, uh, me and you, we're gonna give our our intelligent takes. Uh, we're gonna speak factually as possible, but also, like you said, it's still a debate. It's still an opinion based argument, right? Um, but we want to keep it um, to a point where the audience can agree. So, right. Uh, with that being said, I want to start off this this segment with a quote from Kareem. Um, he said something that was very powerful. Um, And as it relates to this debate, I'm going to read it word for word. This is what he said. He said, the reason there's no such thing as the GOAT is because every player plays under unique circumstances. We play different positions, under different rules, with different teammates, with different coaches. Every player has to adapt to their circumstances to find a way to excel. There can be more than one. Interesting quote. What do you think about that quote from Kareem? Wow, that is a powerful quote. And it can be, it's very agreeable because like you said, a lot of these players played under different circumstances. When we go back again and talk about in the 60s with 50s and 60s with the black players at that time, not just black players, but they did face a lot of uh, racial injustice as they were playing a professional sport. So they faced a lot of uh, uh, obstacles 
that could have hindered even them being able to excel in right. the field that they chose, like being a professional athlete in basketball. So, you know, there are a lot of encumbrances where, you know, things could have happened where we didn't know a Will. Mm-hmm. We didn't know a Bill Russell. Right. Um, Bill Russell played in perhaps one of the most um, racially biased cities in America, in Boston. Right. Uh, he faced a lot of racial prejudice uh, playing in Boston. But again, he was protected to an extent because he had a, a great owner uh, and coach, um, Red Arbach. So he understood what the black players, you know, went through to an extent. But he also wasn't black. So you know, there's still some things that we look at, like you said, generational gaps. Um, Kareem and those guys coming in in the late '60s and early '70s, still facing things like wars at that time. Right. You know, Vietnam War, Korean War. Right. So things that were going on while they were still being playing a professional sport that have to be taken into account. Right. Um, so I don't think it lessens the impact that they had on the game as players, but some of the things that they had to deal with, these today's players didn't have to deal with or don't right. with, deal with. But some things are still coming up to the surface today that they did face back then. Right. And in that regard, you can almost say that you have to respect those players a little bit more because, like you said, racism wasn't as uh, in the forefront of everybody's mind as it is as it was back then. So you had, like you said, uh, racial barriers. Uh, at one point, the NBA didn't have any black players. That's correct. You can you can you name uh, the first player? Do you know who the first couple players were in the NBA? If I'm correct, one of them was named Chuck Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he was signed either by the New York Knicks or even the Boston Celtics. Um, I know they were in the forefront of bringing black players into the NBA. Uh, but again, just like just like the uh, Major League Baseball had their racial barrier, right. so did the NBA. Right. And for them now to begin to be introduced uh, into the NBA and become uh, the athletes they are today, again, with technology coming in, um, more athletes like them coming in athletic wise. At one time it was frowned upon for you even even to dunk an NBA game. Right. So they would undercut you. Like uh even there were some white players that could dunk, but black players when they started dunking in games, they would undercut them. You know, they would try to hurt them cuz they felt like you were trying to embarrass them. Show them up. Right. Mm-hmm. So um there's a lot of things that uh black players um not necessarily I don't want to just talk about um just the black players, but things that they did have to face uh, to make this game what it is today, right? And how how it evolved, and with that come, you know, you have to have owners that are are in play with the players to allow the game to evolve, right? Uh, so I have to t- give kudos to the to the owners and some of the coaches, even though it still was majority white owned. Still today, majority white owned, only a few black owners. So. Uh, one of the players that we're going to talk about later, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. is an owner. So uh, he understood um, what it would take to continue to change the game, the game right. to evolve. So with us talking about the greatest of all time, what that's going to do, like I said, we're taking into account um, some of the things that the players had to face. But ultimately, it's going to be what they did on the court, um, how they affected the game as a whole. And again, our opinions of who we think are on the top of that list. Okay. So, so. with that being said, since we, we kind of started in the earlier era, um, th- let's talk about Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, they, they call this guy 
uh, Wilt the Stilt. Kind of like you, got many nicknames. Yeah, the Big Dipper. <laughs> I guess back in the day, that's what what was that's what it was. You get multiple nicknames. Well, when you played on the playground, you would get names, nicknames. You know, okay. if you were good, someone you're gonna get a nickname. Okay, like I said, they called him Wilt the Stilt, the Big Dipper, the Low Big Musty. I never heard Big Musty, but I never heard that one either. Hey, I don't I'm, think they would say that to his face either. <laughs> The strongest man alive. Yeah, at that time. Yeah. You know, Will competed um, in, in not only basketball, but uh, in, in track and field. Volleyball. So multifaceted athlete. athlete. Right. So, um, this guy was inducted in the, into the Hall of Fame. 13-time All-Star, 7-time scoring champ, um, 2-time All-Defensive player. Uh, he's a 4-time MVP. Um, he won the MVP um uh, in the uh, 1950s. Yeah, three, so, he won three in a row. Right, right. One of the only players to do so. We're yep. going to get to who the other guys were. Two-time um, champ. Yeah, two-time champ. Um, 11-time rebound champ. Um, you know, they started recording stats um, in a different way, you know, as the game progressed. So right. a lot of the stats that you hear. Even like um, block shots. They didn't start really recording block shots until probably in the 70s. Exactly. But this guy, Wilt, man, he's an interesting character. He's one um, that I know my generation really doesn't appreciate. Um, they always hear about the legend of Wilt, um, the 100-point game. Um, they always say he played against milkmen and people that had regular day jobs. Uh, what, do you, what you got to say about that? Because I don't agree. I disagree, too, because, you know, he had to play against the people that were there. Right. You know, it's like kind of like saying, well, he can't help when he was born. Right. You know, or that he was seven one. You know, very uh, strong man, but he was also an intelligent guy as well. Right. Uh, very athletic. Uh, probably could touch the top of the backboard. Uh, what he wasn't a stiff. Right. So, in regards to who he had to play against, he still had to play the games. And again, one of the greatest, what who we consider as one of the greatest defensive players of all time, and Bill Russell, he destroyed on a continual mm-hmm. basis. Right. I mean, one time he gave. Uh, uh, um, Bill Russell, uh, 60 or 70 points, 55 rebounds, things like that. So he was, as uh, far as the individual player, unfortunately, he was killing teams. Right. Um, sometimes that didn't bode well as far as what they called him, as far as uh, his team achievements. But we ain't talking about team achievements right now. We're talking about greatest players of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great matchup that you brought up, Wilt versus Bill Russell. You know, a lot of times in this debate, we will wish that these players could play against each other, settle it on the court. But unfortunately, due to like generational gaps and the eras which players played in, it's impossible to do that. So, yeah, I'm glad that we can possibly talk about a matchup in Bill Russell versus Will Chamberlain because that may separate uh, where they are on the totem pole as far as the greatest of all time. And, and the reason why we have to always consider Will in regards to how anybody feels about it. He still holds NBA records yet today. Right. Uh, even with the scoring average for over a career, he averaged 30 points over his career, even though his last few seasons he con- concentrated more on defense and passing. Mm-hmm. He still averaged 30 points for a career. Right. So you think about his, some of the, his yearly average, averaging 50, right. 44. 20, point, 20 rebounds a game. Right. So he averaged 50 once in 40s numerous times in the 30s continually. So we're talking about he dominated over his entire career. Exactly. So we're talking about within with guys like Nate Thurman coming in, even Kareem coming in uh, later on at that time. 
So this was a dominant force that, you know, his career, uh, far as statistics are concerned, go far beyond even what we're talking about right now. So he's still in the record books. Exactly. 4,000-point season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever going to break that. I don't see nobody touching that. Right. Maybe, you know, they always have optimism that somebody will come along and be better than Jordan, will be better than LeBron, be better than Wilt. And to some degree, some people could probably say that's true. That has happened. But I don't too much see anybody being any better than Wilt. At that time, Wilt was the best there was. And like you said, there's records that still stand today that won't ever be broken. Yeah, st- so, statistics don't lie. I right. mean, they could say it was fabricated that he scored 100 points. No, it's on paper. He scored 100 points. Right. He had a 4,000-point season. This guy averaged almost 30 rebounds for a season. Come on, man, 55 right. points, you know, uh, uh, 55 rebounds, things like that. Come right. on. I don't and, care when you played. And, and at that time, he was one of the more polarizing athletes, too. You can't remember that. You can't forget that because a lot of time your legacy extends off the court. So we already talked about the racial divides, the barriers that these athletes had to place. But also, Will was a very popular athlete. You know what I'm saying? So being 7-1, being black at that time was yeah. like he was a, a legend, a walking yeah. legend. That's correct. Just, a, lot of, a lot of myths are put out there about, I would say myths about Will. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't say how much of his truth. Say he was very much a ladies' man. Would say ten thousand. Uh, you no, know, I said twenty thousand. But I mean, that's for them to discuss <laughs> and debate because I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know, he said I, I listened to an interview. He said he had a pension for the women. So yeah, I, I know. Hey, being like I said, being a polarizing figure at that time, that's not hard to believe, right? So so, but even like you said, with that time. You know, being the '60s, you know there was a lot. Of, there was wars going on, free love, like they used to talk about drugs, a lot of drugs going on, things like that. So for them guys to excel in that environment that they had to, you know, face probably on a nightly basis, on and off the court, uh, I, I think that that makes them great within itself. I mean, right. they are all the people we're, we're naming uh, for the most part were on the 50 greatest list, right. with the exception of what's the newer players like LeBron. You know, he even with him not being named at that time, he is one of the 50 greatest and possibly one of the greatest. Yeah, we're gonna get time. to LeBron and Kobe and the newer players right. in a second, but um, I agree, man. Wilt is one of the more underrated players in this debate. Um, he doesn't get as mentioned often as often as he should. Um, because I mean, at, you know, as time progresses, you tend to forget about those earlier players that pioneered the game. But during this podcast, we're gonna mention Wilt. Uh, he's very pivotal, um, especially with the development of of the game as it is today. Like you said, um, at one point, dunking was allowed. They even widened the lane for Wilt. That's right. So, speak about you know some of that, the, the widening of the uh, NBA lane. Well, you know, at one time. Um, we're talking about again a giant man of a figure of a man. Um, how they say he was dominating so much, where some of the rules of the game did have to change, and one of those rules was they widened the lane. Pretty much, I say because of Wilt. Right. Um, they didn't outlaw Duncan at the time, but remember when Kareem came along, they did outlaw Duncan in collegiate basketball. Right. Uh, but they didn't outlaw uh, Duncan as far as the NBA or professional sports are concerned. But I know they did widen the lane um, when Wilt came along. Okay, so it's it's funny that you mentioned our next guy, Kareem. Um, one of the, the best players I've got to see on tape. I didn't come up during his playing time, but 
uh, he was one of those earlier players that was considered uh, possibly the greatest of all time. And I know he faced some of those comparisons to Wilt, especially playing on the Lakers and being one of the more dominant seven-footers in the league. And um, So talk about Wilt. I know you probably uh, got some ch- got a chance to see some of the more high uh, marquee games and uh, some talk of those about great Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem, I mean, going all the way back to even his high school days, he was one of the high, highest recruited high school players in America. Uh, eventually, again, going to UCLA, where, I mean, there were uh, one thing when he came up, freshmen weren't allowed to play in college. So his, his freshman year, UCLA was in national champions. His freshman team beat the varsity team. Wow. Then the next three years, of course, they won a national championship, and he was player of the year three years in a row in college. Right. So coming out into the NBA, I mean, you're coming out with all these accolades, being highly acclaimed, living up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Again, probably has the most unstoppable shot in, in NBA history with the sky hook. I mean, coming right in, being an effective figure, uh, dominant from the beginning. Uh, playing against Wilt, I think Wilt may be one of the only players that ever blocked Kareem Skyhook. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let, let's stop it right there because that's an interesting take. Why don't we see more players use the Skyhook? Why isn't that a prevalent move today? I don't know if you would consider, consider it saying, well, it's not fashionable or it may be hard to teach. Because okay. remember, he learned the shot because they outlawed Duncan in college. Right. So his game was to be more well-rounded, mm-hmm. became more of a well uh, all-around player because he outlawed the dunk. He he relied on more of a shot where he still could get it over the players that he played against, and it was an easy shot mm-hmm. because it, it took him all 20 years in the NBA, uh, and also he's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. So that that was a marquee shot, an unstoppable shot, right? And and carried him a long way. I mean, with that being said, you probably could, probably could frame it as being the most dominant shot ever because it led him. To being a, a all, you know, all career twenty five point a game uh, uh, player, um, like you said, he had thirty eight thousand points. Thirty eight thousand points. I mean, ain't but a handful of people could po- probably reach that, you know. So I would think, being a big coming up in today's game, that I would incorporate some of that in my game. But like you said, it's probably not fashionable. You have uh, better athletes. People want to dunk, and uh, now we're shooting more threes. Um, which wasn't as necessarily popular during Wilt and Kareem's time. So I can see the adaptation of the big. But if I'm a big in today's game, like you said, wanting to be more well-rounded, I mean, you got to consider Skyhook as being one of the more dominant moves. And uh, I saw an Absolutely. interview that, that they had with Kareem. Uh, they, were, they were saying, they asked him, you know, if you had to play Shaq in today's game, how would that matchup go? And I loved his response. He said, you know, Back to the basket, nobody's stopping Shaq. But if I'm playing, I'm dragging him out. I'm shooting that that sky hook. You know, I'm a. I think Kareem is a more well-rounded scorer than Shaq. Um, so the things that he said in that interview, you know, weren't outlandish. But as far as dominance, you know, that's why we're having this debate. Because, like you said, some players didn't have the privilege to play against different players from different eras. So it's fun to hear from players how they would play, you know, the greats of today or the greats of, of the past because I don't think Shaq would be able to stop that skyhook. Nobody could stop it. Right. So we can't say just Shaq 
Nobody could stop it. Yeah. Out of all, like I said, he played 20 years in the NBA. For a reason. 20 years. He retired in 1989. Mm-hmm. 20 years in the NBA. Six-time MVP and six championships. Right. 20 years. So, I mean, he, he got his just due. I mean, he's all-time. Uh, at one time, I don't know if he still is, he was the all-time all-star game scorer. Uh, of course, led the NBA in scoring uh, um, a couple years. And, like I said, he's the all-time leading scorer. That's almost like when we have that debate. In other professions, you know, you got to look at it. You're the all-time leader or something, you pretty much uh, laid the foundation to say you possibly are the greatest of all time. Right, right. We got to remember he's a rookie of the year. Uh, like you said, six-time MVP, two-times final MVP. Um, he was all-rookie team, uh, 11-time all-defense team. So, like he said in interviews, my game was well-rounded. And as far as this debate is concerned, you can't have a debate without Kareem. Like you say, he's all-time scoring champ. The many accolades that he has after that is unparalleled. You, you don't have many guys that could match up with his resume. So he could, he could kind of poke his chest out in this debate and say, hey, I got 38,000, baby. What can you do with that? And, and like I said, you don't play 20 years without being great. Right. So, I mean, that alone, you, we have some players that, that even that we don't put up on that greatest of all time level but play 20-plus years. You don't play 20 years in the NBA right. without being good or being great. So, uh, and he played on a high level for mm-hmm. almost all those 20 years uh, when he wasn't injured, you know, so Kareem is great, and he possibly could be, uh, he's on my Mount Rushmore, let me say it like that, okay. great, greatest of all time players. Um, so, he, let, me, let me ask this, because uh, we just had an NBA player break the record for longest career uh, in Vince Carter, right? Previously, before him... Uh, it was the, the big from the Boston Celtics. Robert Pierce. Robert Pierce. But comparing their, their careers to Kareem, which is I mean, not, not really fair, but the point I want to make is the sustained success from beginning to end career. You know, And that, for me, separates a lot of guys when we had this greatest of all time debate is from the start of your career, where you dominant, and how did you finish your career, where mm-hmm. you dominant. And I can honestly say I'm going to throw Kareem in that hat and say, hey, from start to finish, this guy was a dog. He changed the game, like you said. They outlawed dunking. Um, what if we had a game today where there was no dunking? That'd It'd be, be the WNBA. Yeah, but that, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, it really would. I don't think it would change a whole lot because there are some instances where you got to dunk the ball. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? So I think it would be – you know, the skill sets of these players, of course, will have to go up a little higher. Right. Uh, but the skill level in the NBA today is really high. Right. Uh, so, but again, it starts from somewhere. Um, when we talk about guys like, like I said, Oscar Robinson. Right. Averaging a triple-double for an entire, career, uh, entire season and almost for a career. Right. So, the skill set, it's almost saying... He could play in today's game because he had the skills to do it. Of course, technology and and things like that would say, well, of course, he probably would be even better because mm-hmm. now you have uh, better training facilities, right? Uh, um, better knowledge overall of the game. You're, you're exposed to more things right. and able to, uh, in order to get yourself prepared to play. So a lot of these, these 
things these guys didn't, didn't have playing in uh, Converse and right. and, and uh, pro kids and shell toes. Yeah, things like that. So, but that was the time. Mm-hmm. So you can't take away from you know they did and played in the things in the arenas that they had. Uh, people used to hate playing in Boston Garden because it was hot. They had dead spots on the floor. Right. But everybody had to play on the court. Right. So you know we could talk about a lot of those things that in those areas that they dealt with. But like I said, the players that were good, they excelled. Right. Remember, I always used to tell you when you was growing up, there's levels to this thing. Right. You have role players. You have good players. You have all-star players. You have superstar players. Then you have your greats. Right. So there's still levels to this thing. So we're talking about greats. You're, yeah, we're going to have a lot of good players, but not great players. Exactly. You brought up one point that um, I always preach today. And a lot of times when I'm talking with my buddies, when I'm talking with my friends about, you know, the greatest of all time, whether it be by position or um, indiscretionally, but the generational bias, we always have to tackle this because you just can't simply plant Kevin Durant in the 50s and say he would have averaged 70 points. I don't agree with that. Even though if he was to time travel as today's Kevin Durant or whoever you know the best of our time is right now, if they were to take a time travel back to the 50s as their current player, yeah, they would dominate, but they would be subject That's to right. coach ideologies. Um, like you said, there's no dunking. Um, there's possibly much more physical um, some people have a, a grievance with that debate saying, you know, it's just as physical, it's not just as physical. You know, whether your grievance with that is, I don't agree that you can just plant a player in the 50s and say he will just completely dominate. Because as you go on, technology advances, training becomes better, um, everything is supposed to become better. So, I, to be honest, I don't have a problem with someone saying that um, Anthony Davis would destroy Wilt today just because he's more skilled or what you have to do is they have to be subject to the same laws right that the players at that time were subject to do you think anthony davis mentally will be able to take on some of the things that they did in the 50s we don't know no we don't know we don't know but that's like saying if i put a i mean i'm gonna use it if i put jordan in today's game with the skill level that he has with the way that you really can't hand check today I mean, that's like saying, okay, he's going to be even better. We don't know. So that's what right. I'm saying. So, But he also, even though he was a, a, a big guy on uh, training, uh, he started getting more into the weights. He'll be subject to better training facilities, right. uh, uh, upgrading knowledge, mm-hmm. how to get even better. So, I mean, it's, it's really, again, it's debatable. It's opinionated. It's, it's like saying you put today's world in today's game in this dominant form, I, I mean – Really? You telling me he can't get fifty a game? That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, but like I said, the game also is not the same game it was then. Exactly. It, that's why I, I preference this argument or debate with the the quote from Kareem because he said uh, every player plays under different circumstances with with different rules and uh, different coaches and different ideologies. Um, because, like I said, today's game the emphasis is on a three pointer. Is run and gun, layups and threes. Back then, back to the basket, play inside out, let's move the ball, everybody touch the ball before we score, which is not today's game. So when we have in this debate, you have to keep in mind some of uh, uh, the ideas and the transcendence of certain players 
that's really what we're trying to tackle, the, transcend, the transcendence of certain players beyond their generation. You can't really say, well, if such and such played against each other, that he's just this much more better because he played in a, a, a previous era. I think that's unfair. And the people that, um, that came before us would, would look at you kind of crazy. So uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about Big O. We can... Big O is a special player. Right. I mean, he's, it's, it's something like everything that I've seen about Big O, he's always been good. Uh, 6'5", uh, a general on the court, um, could do everything. Um, again, help Kareem get his first – well, actually, I won't say help Kareem. He and Kareem played on the same Milwaukee team that won the, the championship, both of their first championships – uh, so he was instrumental in, in winning his first championship, but he also had the big fella, Kareem, with him. Right. So, um, but as far as the skills, like I said, the first one in the NBA to record a triple-double for an entire season. Right. That means you're showing no weaknesses. Right. Um, and really, most people said, as far as we, he had no weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, the big old man, he, he was the man. Yeah. And everybody knew the big O. You know, you faced the big O, you had to bring it. Because the big O, he was, he was coming with it every night. Right. Uh, whoever he played against, it didn't matter. Uh, like I said, he used to back you down to that spot uh, at, at the free throw line turn and just, you know, pop it in on you. Or if, if somebody was open, he got him that ball, bounce pass. But he said if you, if you wasn't catching the ball from him, he wasn't giving it to you right. no more. <laughs> so he was, a, he was a commander. He was a general, a floor general. Uh, very knowledgeable of the game. Also, I, I mean, uh, his interesting take on the greatest of all time. I mean, I don't have the quotes right in front of me, but he, he said, I just remember watching an interview with him that Chris Webber did with him, actually. He said, are you kidding me to tell me, are you trying to tell me that uh, Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James? I mean, he weighed in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he said, there's no way that uh, Michael Jordan is just so much better than LeBron James, you know, but like I said, this is opinionated. But for, coming from one of the greatest of all time, uh, but even some of the other greats, they disagree. Right. Like I said, that's why it's opinionated. Right. But coming from the big O, I think that's high praise. Right. He didn't necessarily say that LeBron was better than Michael, but he said Michael's definitely not just better than LeBron either. Well, I could see why he would make that statement because his game was a little bit more well-rounded in the fact that he wasn't just a scorer. He uh, – prioritized facilitating the offense. So and, and LeBron is cut from that same mold where he's just not one dimensional. Not saying that that Jordan is one dimensional, but he embraces passing and getting his teammates involved and um and doing a little bit of scoring as well. So it's kinda I feel like it's kinda harder to stop those guys, especially when they have uh uh some comrades that are like embracing their roles and knocking down shots and and also you have to factor in that um, they were unstoppable on the offensive end uh, with themselves. So, moving on, um, let's talk about these two guys. I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, I, I think these two guys single-handedly brought basketball back to its prominence. Um, I think when we have this debate, if you fail to mention these two guys, I will never listen to you again. That's Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. 
I know you came up during that era, got to watch some guys play. Um, so just speak about some of the battles and the the prominence that they had uh, when they played. Because I know you were, you were late to me at uh, many times that uh, these guys were considered the greatest up until that point. You know, like I said, they single-handedly brought basketball on a bigger platform. And um, sometimes they get swept up under the rug um, in today's generation. Man, talking about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, um, even before I go there, I'm going to say, if you remember from a historical standpoint, at one time you had the ABA and the NBA. Right. So the ABA was a struggling league, and I'm going to mention this this one guy because he probably should be included in some of these conversations. Well, that's Dr. J. Dr. J. Dr. J is one of the greatest players ever. Uh, he started out in the ABA, uh, champion, MVP, Right. Um, they transitioned over into the NBA. A lot of those teams were uh, made the jump into the NBA, the Denver Nuggets, New right. Jersey Nets, San Antonio Spurs, uh, teams like that. So uh, he came from the ABA to the NBA in 1976. ABA folded. So now the NBA, again, is in a transitional period. So they're struggling. Um, drugs are running rampant through the NBA. Um, they're losing in marketing. Television is is not as uh, the ratings aren't as high. So then here comes 1979. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird playing in the NCAA Finals, mm-hmm. Indiana State against Michigan State. At that time, maybe even still today, one of the highest rated NCAA championship games watched in t- television history. Great game between two great players. Uh, that made their teams great. Magic prevailed, 1979. They won the NCAA championship. Right. They both come into the NBA at the same time. Mm-hmm. Of course, Larry went to Boston. You know, like we said, politics involved with a lot of that. Magic goes uh, to, to the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, Larry comes in. He's killing it as a rookie. Both of them are. Uh, so... Unfortunately, the the Boston Celtics don't make it to the finals. But Magic leads his team to the finals against the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. With Dr. J, you know, those guys like that. They didn't have Moses Malone at the time, but Dr. J, Caldwell Jones, Bobby Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Lionel Hollins, uh, players like that. So good team. Uh, Magic a rookie leading his team in the finals. The big fella, Kareem. Gets hurt right. in the NBA Finals. Story told, Magic gets on the plane, says, there's no need to fear. Magic is here. <laughs> so Magic, they get off the plane. He said, anybody that thinks that uh, we're going to lose, you might as well stay here. So they get on the plane, they go, go to Philly. Uh, it's, it's NBA history. A rookie playing center, forward, point guard, 42 points. All these say seven assists and all these rebounds led the Lakers to the NBA championship. Right. As a rookie. Right. Unheard of at the time. So that's where these two guys, again, began to bring the NBA back into prominence. Mm -hmm. East Coast, West Coast. Right. Magic leading the West Coast. Larry coming up as a force on the East Coast. Remember, two historic. Historical teams, right? Boston, L.A., right. I mean, we know about 
uh, all the championships Boston had, 11 championships in 13 years with, with uh, uh, Bill Russell. But mm-hmm. now we're coming up through a time where they were struggling. Right. Now, now they got Larry. Larry's leading them back through the playoffs now. Now all the way from the early 80s, from that 79-80 season, all the way up through the 80s, Magic and Larry battling. You had a few teams come in there. Again, Dr. J and those guys won in 1983. Uh, uh, Boston beat Houston one year in the finals. And then for the rest of them, remember that time was mostly Boston, L.A. Boston, right. L.A. So these guys, I mean, going at it. Remember, these two coasts, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're getting the, the media from New York, the media from L.A. Now you're bringing the NBA back into the public forefront. So, um, again, two polarizing figures. Mag- my, uh, Larry being the hard, so-called hard hat guy, Magic being Showtime. Right. You got the Showtime Lakers. Right. They're coming into Boston, you know, hated by Boston. You know what I'm saying? All these black players, even though Boston had black players, they looking at L.A. like the black team against the white team because Larry. But, you know, Larry wasn't like that. Larry didn't right. care who you was. He didn't right. care what color you was. Exactly. If you could play, you could play. Right. So, Larry was a bad man. Oh yeah. Like I said, like you mentioned earlier, one of the only I think three players in the NBA to win uh, uh three MVPs in a row. Mm-hmm. What was that? Uh Will Larry and Bill Russell. I think those are the only three players okay. to win uh the MVP three years in a row. And I think um Will and what Wes Unsell were the only to win their rookie year. Yeah, the rookie year run right. NBA uh, uh MVP as a rookie. Right. So Larry, Magic. I mean two Two great players. Man, you look at this, man. Larry averaged, for his career, he averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists for his career. Right. You know, Magic averaged, for his career, he averaged 20 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists for a career. Yeah. So, the only thing he got, uh, he got Larry, he won, he got five championships. Um, he went to, Magic went to nine finals. Right. Got five championships, so hey man, I, I mean, we know about Magic. Magic's great, man. I, I think even to this day, in my opinion, he's the greatest point guard of all time. Okay, but we're talking about positional players at right now at at that time. But far greatest of all time, these guys changed the game. Yeah, I mean they brought back the you know the excitement to the game. Of course, Magic brought Showtime, run and gun, let's get it out there, kick it out. You know the no look pass. Uh-huh. So he brought the excitement back. Him and Larry, they brought the NBA back to uh, a marketing standpoint. Then when David Stern took over as NBA commissioner, he just rolled that wave. Right. Bringing the NBA, marketing the NBA, marketing the NBA. Right. And in the midst of all that, here comes the man, Michael. So Larry and, Larry and Magic started it. So their place, again, they got a place on Mount Rushmore much more with me, Michael and Larry. And, and I don't want to put the racial thing in there, but it, for me, Larry Bird is the greatest white boy to ever played the game. <laughs> I agree. He's I mean, up there. That's my opinion. Definitely. He's the greatest white player to ever play. He's not talked about enough for me. That's Like I said, that's my opinion. But right. as far as uh, a, a killer. One man, of the coldest man, shooters i ever seen. One of the most clutch, coldest players. Really, Larry had no weaknesses. The only thing that hurt Larry Bird was – um, when he started having back trouble. Right. Once he started having back trouble, of course, that limits your game. But until then, man, Larry Bird was an uh, incredible, uh, incredible teammate, incredible team player, but a killer. Speak to this. Um, 
the physicality of the 90s and the 80s and the 70s, how different is it then than it is now? You spoke about the hand checking, but uh, I remember one time you were telling a story, um, you know, about, uh, I can't remember his name. Well, anyway, but players back then used to fight. Uh, I think it was a little bit more dirtier than our league today. I think the NBA did a good job of cleaning that part up. But I think that's the big misconception with the physicality is that uh, it was possibly more dirtier in the 70s, 80s than it was today. I, I don't even want to say that it was more dirty. I will say the physical level of the game was was amazing. I mean, there used to be a rule where if you come through the lane, you was getting you was getting physically checked. Right. It wasn't no just free lands through the lane. You know, you wasn't just coming down through the middle of the lane, just dunking on whoever you want. So you're going to get checked, and you might get taken down. Right. Taken out. So I'm glad they took part of that stuff out of the game because you shouldn't be trying to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I can go with hard fouls, but when you take it to the level, like if you ever watch those, again, Boston, L.A. series – Man, one time they they taking guys out, man. Right. Uh, uh, Kurt Rambis. You know, <laughs> I mean, they're clotheslining. You get clotheslined. You getting taken out. Uh, I I think if you're gonna try to hurt somebody, there was no place in the game for that. Yeah. There was a lot of that that used to go on back in the yeah, Rudy Tomjanovich seventies and eight. That was a fight. Him. Yeah. That, I mean, that took place. Remember, I I remember that watching that Kermit Washington uh, uh, blew his face out. Yeah, he he destroyed. Destroyed all uh, his his whole face by punching him. You know, uh, uh, he was really wasn't looking for that, but Kermit hurt him. Yeah, and I, I remember watching a clip when Kent Benson uh, had elbowed Kareem. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Kareem came and punched him, broke his hand. He he broke Kent Benson's nose. Mm-hmm. So you think about today with some social media the way it is, you can't get away with none of that stuff today. Nah. So everything wasn't always caught on film as it is now. Uh, so there was a lot of dirty plays that went on, and just to w- what I was telling you, used to tell you about hand checking. Used to be almost able to control the offensive player because you can hand check him and kind of keep him from going different ways. But uh, 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 I'm glad they took some of that out of the game. I, some of the physicality is still there, uh, but to the level that it used to be, man, you could you could uh, you could really body some people up, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't get uh, uh, penalized the way it is today. Um, yeah. So again, like I said, when when Larry and Magic came up, it was a very physical game. We go all the way back to well, past those guys to the Bad Boys of Detroit. Oh yeah. I mean, those guys used to used to. I mean, Rick Mahorn, Bill Lambeer, you know, yeah. uh, Dennis Rodman, John Sally. I mean, those guys were trying to hurt Mike. I don't care what they say, they was trying to hurt Michael. Yeah. Um, and Scotty, which is a perfect segue into our next player, um, possibly the most. Heralded player ever, the most uh, always held at the top of Mount Rushmore on everybody's Mount, uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, I've heard many stories about this guy. I've watched many clips uh, from you specifically. I got all the tapes. Got all the tapes. I've watched plenty of games, analyzed plenty of game tapes, uh, even incorporated some of his moves into my own game, whether I did them effectively or not. The point is, this guy is possibly the most emulated basketball player of all time, and that's Michael Jordan. That's correct. I mean, it's really hard to – when you talk about this guy, I mean, he's one on every level. 
I mean, he won a state championship in high school. Right. Won a NCAA championship as a freshman in college. Uh, then eventually, as he when he became a pro, uh, won his three straight championships twice. So he got six total championships. But the thing that separates Michael to me is skills. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a player that mastered the fundamentals and took them to the highest level the way Michael was able to do and then have the athleticism and the ability to maintain it. Right. This guy had a competitive fire unmatched. I mean, matched by guys like Larry and Michael, you know, those, those were great competitors, but this guy had a fire, man. It didn't matter what he did, golf, ping pong, uh, scrabble. I mean, he really wanted to beat you. Right. And it transcended, translated over into his game on the court. Uh, he used to always say his biggest biggest opponent was trying to beat his brother Larry. Right. And once he beat his brother Larry, he knew then he probably could beat anybody. Mm-hmm. So it lets you know that competitiveness grew from a, a early age. But a stone cold killer. He's one of the only players. I looked this up. One of the only players, season in and season out, to average twenty points a game every season. I can't name. Well, maybe one. We're not going to talk about him right now. But I think that's Kevin Durant, but he's one of the only players to average 20 points every season of his career. That alone is, like I said, that maintained dominance. Um, that's that's that sustained dominance that I appreciate in these debates. The the thing about Michael is sometimes it's misconceived that he was a ball hawk. Right. You also, like we will discuss later with LeBron, you got to look at the teams that he played on. So the teams that he played on with some of the players that he played with, I mean, this guy had the score. And then you watch a lot of the tapes, he got the ball a lot of times at the end of the shot clock. Right. Sometimes if I'm open, you know, he's one of the only few players that could be doubling triple teams and it looked like, you know, he made it look easy. Yeah. Because his skill level was so high. Uh, I know we can't spend a whole lot of time on this, but – Joe Dumas said one thing that I still agree with. He said, I don't see 20 years from now we saying that there's somebody better than Michael Jordan. Right. And, and to this day, like I said, he's the highest, highest skilled player that I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, on both ends of the court. Only, only His only weakness that I probably could say is that he probably couldn't guard centers like Shaq. Right. I mean, if he had to, he would give it the best effort. Mm-hmm. But as far as perimeter defenders – uh, on-ball defenders, off-the-ball defenders, um, rebounders for a guard, block shots for a guard. Steals for a guard. I mean, yeah. he's one of the only players, to my knowledge, that led the NBA in scoring and was defensive player of the year. Right. So, to me, he had no weaknesses. Other than injuries and father time taking his toll, he's one of the only players that I could probably say, in my opinion, in NBA history, that had no weaknesses. Okay. And and then once he tackled, I mean he didn't he didn't look to the three point line, but once he tackled the three point line, he was an efficient three point shooter as well. Right. So didn't shoot many, but like you said, very efficient. Yeah. So. Uh, and and one thing I noticed about his game that's different about today's game is that the mid range is almost absent. Oh man, this is where he made his bread and butter. Yeah, he's the greatest mid range player ever. Right. I mean. 
he was unstoppable in the mid-range. His mid-range game is unmatched. Mm-hmm. Only only player I've seen in today's game that even attempts to do that is Kawhi. Kawhi has a very, very efficient mid-range game. Right. Uh, he's probably one of the only ones that I see that does it effectively on a continual night in and night out basis. Yeah, you have your your Kawhis. Uh, I think the only other person, well, you can say Jimmy and uh, Demar Derozan, but at a high high clip, Kawhi is probably the only one um, that you could say. But like I said, that mid range game, I don't know why it's you know not more of a prominent shot because you know three points is three points. And everybody in today's game that they can shoot threes. But from that foul line on in, man, that's bread and butter for a lot of players, especially in the 90s. So with that being said, as we move along through this, I just don't see, as much as I love uh, some of these players of today, even the one that we're going to talk about probably last, I just don't see nobody just being better than Michael. Right. Uh, I mean, we could say comparative because, you know, they play different positions or they've done different things for the teams. But as far as individual players, I just can't say there's anybody just so much better than or better than Michael. Right. Yeah. So I know we, we didn't want to spend too much time on Michael because his accolades are on display for everybody to see. He just had a documentary come out. Um, the last dance. championship run, the last dance. So. You know, we all have pretty good information on the insight uh, to the mind of Michael Jordan and how others felt about him and the success that he had, um, like I said, as a killer athlete. So uh, moving on, we want to talk about this next guy who could possibly rival Michael Jordan as far as just pure dominance, just nasty when it came to dunking the ball and very outspoken in the league. Um, He's an analyst on TNT. Uh, a mammoth human being. I've gotten a chance to see him in person. A uh, very charismatic, but that's Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, the Shaq daddy, man. Uh, I mean, the closest probably we'll see to a will ever uh, as far as dominance. I mean, he might not have, in today's game, been able to reach the, the point totals that will reach, but as far as pure dominance in the paint, when when he was on the top of his game, Man, I watched some clips this morning about with about Shaq. I mean, just nasty. <laughs> I mean, just just dominant, man. Just he has this dunk. But where... he what do you say? The big Chamberneezy. <laughs> the big Shaqtis. Man, the big this... Aristotle. Shaq is nasty, man. I mean, as far as big men and players, period, it, it'd be hard to 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 go against Shaq. Right. Uh, Shaq once he just, got you on his back in that post, man, there's really nothing you can do. I've seen the best defenders try to block his shot, block his dunk, and he just overpowered through him. Alonzo uh, Mourning, I mean, uh, Patrick Ewing, the list goes on. He's dunked on them all. Nice touch around the, the paint as well. Like right. I said, when he was actively in his prime and he wasn't uh, as big as he, as he did eventually get when he was healthy, I mean, just unstoppable force in the paint. Right. I mean, of course, everybody knows his only weakness was free throw shooting. Right. Uh, but, I mean, he was a good ball handler, good passer. Uh, when he was on a team with some good teammates, won championships, MVPs, he got yep. probably had a couple stolen from him. Yeah, put Jordan uh, out of the playoffs at one point when he came back from playing yeah. baseball. Asterisk. But <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a four-time NBA champ, yeah. two-time scoring champ, uh, uh, MVP. 
probably probably should have had more. He always makes that that case that he should have more than right. one MVP, um, rookie of the year, three uh, two time um, like I said scoring champ, three times final MVP, a uh, four time All NBA player. I mean the accolades are there. So like I said, the big Aristotle man. Yeah. I haven't seen too many players, especially today, just with the sheer force and strength. Yeah, and he dominant broke, man. I seen him break many backboards. Dominant. I, I I love Shaq as a player. Uh, you know, sometimes I just think he might have hung on a little bit too long. Okay. I mean, but of course, you know, great players do that. You know, they want to try to ride it out. Uh, I didn't want to see him in a Boston uniform. I didn't want to see him in a Cleveland uniform. Uh, uh, places like that. But you know, it is what it is. Like I say, a great player still uh, in my mind today. Probably one of the most dominant. Right. Right, and um, moving on, we 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 will be remiss to talk about this guy, um, kind of posthumously. Uh, what is the what's the word? Humorously. Yes, posthumously. Not humorously, but humorously. Um, Kobe Bryant, man. When I heard the news of his passing, I was saddened um, because at one point he was my favorite player. Um, I always tell the story that I was playing football one time and uh, I dislocated my thumb mm-hmm. and. I was right. taken to the hospital when I had to have surgery. That's right. Um, I remember, you know, when you have surgery, they put you under anesthesia. Right. And one of the questions that the doctor was asking me, uh, he asked me many questions. That's but right. But this one stuck out uh, more than the others. He asked me, you know, who was your favorite basketball player? Right. And at the time, uh, I loved Kobe Bryant. Just, I mean, in the same light as Michael Jordan, I felt they were mirror images of each other. But... I remember exactly how I went out under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And he put the mask over my face, okay. and I was like, Kobe Bryant. Then right. I was out. I was there, so he's telling the truth. Right. So I haven't always been a LeBron homer. Um, I get a bad rap for that. We get a bad rap for that mm-hmm. because we're from Ohio. But like I said, at one point, Kobe was my favorite player. Um, his killer instinct is um, only matched by a few um, his attention to detail in the game, um, his unrelentless nature in every aspect of the game is some of the things that I always hold near and dear. Um, just, just some things you can apply to life, you know, just being, just having that tenacity and that that intent on just being successful. I think that's really what drove Kobe to be the player that he was. Um, they always would say that he was he was chasing Jordan. Uh, which is not a bad player to chase. You know, the greatest of all time, if I could strive to be uh, anything like him, I wouldn't fall f- too far from, you know, the top of the list. And for the purposes of this conversation, I feel like he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, came in the league straight out of high school. Uh, one of the only players to have a successful career straight out of high school. You know, didn't really make an impact upon his entry, but, you know, we've seen the games uh, average 30 points Plenty of times uh, led Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum and some of those guys uh, to NBA championships, played alongside Shaq. Um, so talk about Kobe and how you viewed him. Kobe Bryant, 30 points, 40 points, 50 points. <laughs> 50 points. I, I took that from Charles. But <laughs> yeah, Kobe is, again, um, just thinking about this young man. Um, unfortunately, his life was cut short, but his basketball career was outstanding. Right. 
Um, there's only, again, only one player that I, I'm going to mention later on in a few minutes that probably uh, exceeds what he's done coming straight out of high school. Uh, this young man built his game, built his game, worked on his game, worked on his game. A great player. Uh, wasn't always my favorite player, but I still appreciate his greatness. Uh, you could see, of course, sometimes they even show the highlights of how he mirrors Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, Amazing. One of the only players, like I said, that if anybody was close to Mike, even in size and athleticism, is Kobe Bryant. Um, yeah. I mean, a pure, pure killer so when it sad. comes to scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, know he was out there, you're going to get killed. Right. <laughs> if you weren't paying attention. I mean, like I said, the, the closest to Michael that we'll probably see as far as size, ability. Right. Um, in that aspect. But, of course, he was his own player. Right. Um, great player, man. Won championships. Again, uh, all-star game, MVPs, led the league in scoring. Right. Um, tenacious on defense. Champ, five-time NBA champ. Uh, 2007-2008 MVP, um, two times final MVP, um, all-rookie team, all-defensive team 12 times, all-NBA team 12 times. So A special that, player. Yeah. Special player. Like, like I said, you, you think about all the fears we've had with guys that came straight out of high school, uh, the success that he was able to uh, maintain and the career he was able to have. Um, having a father that played in the NBA uh, also assisted you know this guy was learning the game at a young age being around professionals so that helped so as he came and came into his own I mean just a special guy man right. special player right. uh, special talent uh, unfortunately like I said we talk about him in the past tense but again a special player yeah like I said he will he will be missed but um, what makes him great is the things that he did on the court um from what I hear from several players, he was dearly, dearly beloved, and um, rightfully so. You know, a lot of times when you end your career, you don't get the flowers while you're you're still here. So I feel, you know, as fans today, we should appreciate the guys that are still playing because it definitely is a sacrifice um, being in the media, getting the scrutiny day in and day out, really having to maintain a positive role. It's very difficult. So yeah, especially in today's world. Yeah, all the social media outlets. Yeah, so with that being said, the guys that we've mentioned so far um, are great in their own right, um, which should always be be talked about. um, Because, like you said, some of the things that they had to face these last couple guys, like Kobe and LeBron, and whoever will come after them, they won't have to face. So we would be remiss if we didn't mention them. And I want to uh, get into our last guy uh, with that being said, because I feel like um, since his inception, since we've come to know who he is, uh, he's exceeded every expectation set before him. Straight out of high school, wasn't supposed to be in the league. Um, All of the social barriers that you could possibly think of, he's he's eclipsed them all, um, has a, a a great family, a loving wife, kids. Um, it's really addresses um, social uh, injustices right. openly, right? Uh, without fear of retaliation or 
what his image may look like or being tarnished. Uh, no fear of that. Uh, so mm-hmm. without saying much more, you already know we're talking about LeBron James. Right. Uh, I, I'll tell you straight off the bat, one of my favorite players, if not my if not my favorite player next to Michael Jordan. Now let me say this, Dad, because we watch LeBron all the time. I think when I'm watching the games with you, it almost seems like you hate LeBron because you scrutinize his game from the start until the the clock reaches triple zeros. So but that's how much I appreciate him. Okay. And and sometimes with greatness that comes that comes along with greatness because I see of course I'm an armchair quarterback, I'm an armchair point guard, and I'm seeing <laughs> the things that if I was, you know, the coach or out there, I could say, Well, why don't you do this? But that's after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I nitpick at his game a lot. I sometimes I say holds the ball too long. Right. Uh, uh, but of course he always makes the right basketball decision, the right basketball play. Uh, for the most part, nine out of ten, nine times out of ten, he's either scoring or he's getting somebody in position to score. So y'all nitpick at his game because he is so good, right? Uh, and and sometimes you know I could point out flaws, I can call flaws in everyone's game, uh, but he's probably my favorite, most favorite player next to Mike. Um, again, not only because he is from Ohio, but that's an added plus. But I also think you know next to people like Kareem, uh, probably the greatest player to ever come out of high school. Uh, Kareem had a great high school career, uh, but as far as being uh, put on the pedestal the way this guy yeah. was without asking for it, right. and as a 16-year-old being so, touted the next great. Yeah, he sold out, what, Akron University Arena? Yeah. I think at that time that was one of the more uh, televised games that we had seen. You know, I think LeBron and a couple other guys – um, set the standard for high school kids now being placed in the limelight. Now you can go viral and uh, like be recognized much quicker. And I think that's due to, to guys like LeBron, Sebastian Telfair, uh, Telfair uh, Mario Stoudemire, uh, Melo. So because those guys were on Hoops mixtapes way before Hoops mixtapes. And, and you got to produce. Yeah. So uh, again, talking about LeBron, I, I mean to be. I heard Doc Rivers say one time, he's one of the only guys that we, with the expectations put on him to first come into the league. He said, we kind of let Michael grow into the beast that he became. Kobe too. But LeBron from the outset, from coming, being in high school saying, well, he can skip his senior year and come straight to the NBA right. out of high school. Right. And then coming right into the NBA rookie of the year, uh, him, him and Melo, Melo probably – to you know, an argument that he probably should have been rookie of the year, but he was rookie of the year, averaged twenty points in his rookie year. Then right. from then on, yeah, he spiraled upward. Yeah. So and we're I, talking about expectations put on the young man. One of the only players, if you ask me, that lived up to the hype. Okay. I mean, all the hype. I mean, yeah. championships, MVPs, All Star game. Only thing, right. the only knock people have, he didn't get in the dunk contest. So what? Yeah, I'd like to see a LeBron. I, I would have liked to see that, I'd too. Like to see that. But so what he to get in the dunk contest. But as far as great, this guy's greatness is unquestioned. Yeah. 6'8", 260, doing Freak. the things he's doing. In his 17th year, leading the NBA in assists. Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, how much more does this guy have to do? I mean, let's, let's just break it down. You just mentioned he's in year 17. How many guys do we know have 17-year careers, for one. Not many. 
And then on top of that, like you just said, he's leading the league in assist. Maintaining that greatness over 17 years. 25 points a game. How many players other than, like I said, what we're talking about, took his team to nine straight finals? Right. Straight. Nine straight finals. Yeah. Whether you win or not, you went to nine straight finals? Right. With some of the ragtag dummies that he played with? <laughs> Excuse me, I don't want to call them that, but some of the, some, some of the players he played with, other than like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, guys like that, some of them Cleveland teams, even the, the couple years they did go, Kyrie got hurt. You know, Kevin Love got hurt. He took... He took the Cleveland Cavaliers to the NBA Finals his fourth year in the league. And to the layman's man, you can't name a guy on that team besides LeBron. Now, we can't sit here because we from Cleveland, but think about it. Can you name one person on that team? Like I said, I can. <laughs> they got swept by the Spurs, but what we really trying to talk about is the sustained Excellence. Level of excellence and success yeah. that he's had from start to finish. Start not being when his first game in the NBA. Like you said, from high school until now. He's won four championships, lost six. Some people say, you know, in, in relations to Mike, you know, I got to take Mike because he ain't never lost in the finals. But to go to as many as he has, you know, for me, winning is a team achievement. That's right. You know, we talk. I, one of my favorite players, Peyton Manning. I always, always say, Peyton, will get you to the playoffs by itself. You give him a defense and some, and some receivers, you got a Super Bowl in your hands. Now, one of the things that LeBron has embraced is playing with some talent because you know to get over that that championship hump, you got to play with talent. So he 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 got with Dwayne Wade and and Chris Bosh, and wasn't and didn't take a back seat to those guys. He led them. Uh, to games against the Mavericks, you know, the Thunder and uh, all the other teams that they played. And those guys uh, took a backseat to him. We're going to ride LeBron to the championship. Now, my only knock against LeBron is one of his performances against Dallas. And that's me nitpicking. But like I said, the fact that he even went is an accomplishment in itself. A lot of people always say, well, he played in the weak East. Well, if you look at the, the level of competition that, that Jordan faced, I looked at a stat earlier today. It said the top four teams out of the East that Jordan uh, had to face had a combined winning percentage of about 64%. That's the top four teams in the East at that time. Compared it to LeBron, the top four teams coming out of the East, 62% winning percentage. Very close in parallel. So what are we talking about here? The the level of dominance over the East for as long as he did, I mean, you how can you hate this guy? Nine straight finals. Nine straight finals. Led the you know, is up there in, in scoring. Triple double um Machine. <laughs> machine. I mean, this guy almost has no weakness. Being six eight, two fifty. Out of high school. Straight out of high school. No so, college. Out of high school. No college. Right. Only a handful out of high school, no college, are on a great level. Yeah. Only a few. Moses you know, Malone. Moses Malone. Uh, KG. KG. Kobe. Kendrick Perkins. 
shouldn't even mention that guy. But Tracy McGrady. But these guys yeah. are Hall of Famers. Tracy McGrady is a Hall of Famer. Right. Straight out of high school. Exactly. But he's not LeBron. Nah. LeBron, out of all those guys that came straight out of high school, LeBron's number one. Right. The, I say the greatest player to make that NBA jump out of high school, the greatest of them all, is definitely LeBron. And, like I said, now, even with that, this debate that's going to be ongoing for years to come, right. is he better than Michael? Like I said, my opinion of it, again, my opinion, skill-wise, to me, no one was greater than Michael, mm-hmm. skill-wise. Shot maker, nobody's greater than Michael as right. a shot maker. Right. But as an all-around basketball player that can just straight up do it, high school, no college, right. LeBron James. So as we wrapped up, wrap up this uh, conversation, um, I want to kind of do an honorable mention um, because I always believe that whenever we have these conversations, we're invariably going to leave some guys out. Um, so I always think I should pay it forward and give these guys some of their respects. Um, like I said, uh, Moses Malone, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, uh, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Steve Nash, Bob Pettit, Charles Barkley, Dirk Brock Nowitzki, Cousy, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Durant, uh, Julius Irving. Kind of talked about him earlier. Dominique Kevin, Wilkins, Dominique, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Allen Iverson, James Harden, Kevin Garnett, Bob McAdoo, uh, Willis Reed. People don't remember Willis Reed, but that was a bad man. Uh, David Robinson. Derrick Rose, Wes Unsell, Bill Walton. Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. You know, those are just some of the- Jerry West. Yeah, the logo. Some people will uh, listen to this podcast and say, hey, y'all had an entire segment about the logo. Well, I mean, you have your grievances. Like I said, this was an opinionated debate. Uh, Just wanted to highlight a few guys that we felt uh, needed to be mentioned. So- with that being said, take it with the information and, you know, look at some of the highlights of these guys. Listen to some of the interviews that they've had and, you know, kind of form your opinion on your your Mount Rushmore. And, you know, like I said, nobody's really wrong uh, in crowning Michael Jordan read, the greatest. Read that quote again from Kareem. All right, this is what he said. Oh, let me pull it up. This kind of sums up the whole ideology of who the best of all time is who the greatest of all time is who should be considered great and how you form your own opinions and statistical analysis of what somebody should be as considered the greatest of all time yeah so kareem said the reason there's no such thing as the goat is because every player plays under unique circumstances we play different positions under different roles with different teammates with different coaches Every player has to adapt to their circumstances and find a way to excel. There can be more than one. And I agree with that, Kareem. I feel like there's more than one GOAT, depending on who you talk to. And, um, yeah, I feel like we, uh, we kind of tackle this GOAT debate. You want to you wanna say definitively who's the greatest of all time? Or you want to leave that up to the people? I mean, I can weigh in on, on my opinion. My one and one A. I'm just going to leave it like that. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. That's my one and one A. One A and one B. What's that? My one and one A. What What is that? It, kind of like you on the fence. Are, are you saying no? Michael my better? one and one A is Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Okay, I can go with that. <laughs> that's it. That's that's where I leave it. 
of course, we always leave people out, but that's the nature of uh, these debates. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, shout out to King Kevin Beats for giving me the, some audio to, 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 to plug in. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and we will be back with you guys next week tackling some more subjects. So stay tuned. Peace out.